welcome to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Tonight we've got another special episode including an opposition poster due to the success of last week with Lunity. Uh, hopefully the same AFL result outcome happens with when we have an opposition supporter on that means the Tigers win. But first we'll introduce our Richmond poster for this evening. Wacko Jacko, welcome to the show mate. Yeah, it's uh, been a while since I've been here so it's good to be back. Thank you for the uh, coming on at late notice, given that Wacky Tiger stood me up yet again. This has to be at least the third time he stood me up uh, at some point. He keeps saying, oh, I promise we'll come on, I promise we'll come on. And yeah, just not great form from a mod. It's a big shame. It but is, I'm but... here, so it's, it's a pretty good outcome in the end. But at least he's a mod putting his hand up, unlike Sturge, who's just cut ties altogether. <laughs> Although, but then the best part is, is he still starts claiming that he runs the Twitter account and all that, so he's cut ties <laughs> and still tries to take credit for the work that we're doing. Oh well. Uh, and our second guest from the Port Adelaide board is Noobzor. Welcome, Noobs. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. No worries at all. Bit of a, a different scenario to the SFA one we did a little while ago, but uh, should be good nonetheless. Yeah, looking forward to something a bit different. It's been a while since I've been on an actual footy-related podcast, so yeah, looking forward to it. Very good. And uh, on your game on the weekend, bit of a disappointing result from, I suppose, Port's perspective, going down by three points, I think it was. Uh, what did you make of the game? It, I was, I didn't see a lot of it, but when I saw the scores, it, I felt, or I assumed it was going to be shit-ass conditions, but it didn't look like that upon replay. Nah, Hawthorne just turned it into a uh, real defensive uh, game of chaos ball really um we had the run of them in the first quarter um and our lateral t- kicks and opening up the far side was going really well um but after quarter time Clarko just shut that right down put numbers behind and across the ground and um yeah we just really struggled to get our ball movement going after that and it just turned into a war of attrition okay i mean they seem to play tassie well at the same time so that's uh, a bit disappointing it uh, didn't go your way were there any standout players for you guys oh no, nah, it was it was really average across the board. Um, particularly our midfield just didn't stand up on the day. Um, I think our highest disposal getter was Ollie Wines with twenty two. Um, and particularly when we're looking at winning the clearances like we did, the midfield work rate and our running just wasn't there. Um, yeah, across the board we were pretty average. Um, our forward line in particular let us down. We just couldn't get the ball to ground or get anything going. You got big Charlie down there. He's uh, he's always a bit of a threat. Is he was he has he been injured the last few weeks or has he been playing the whole time? No, he hasn't been injured. He just can't seem to get into games at the moment. Um, yeah, like he—he's so good for us with his aggression and his want to get to the contest. And um, yeah, we just haven't seen much of that. Um, he was doing really well earlier in the season when he was pinch hitting in the ruck because it actually got his hands on the footy and got him involved. So maybe we'll look at doing that again in the future. Hopefully, just not this week. Um, and <laughs> the, the Tigers game on the weekend. We were talking about it just before. I, I don't think either of us thought we were going to win by seventy-one points. But um, how did you see the game? No, I didn't think it was going to be such a blowout, but yeah, it was a pretty uh, emphatic victory in the end, Um, and especially like we were talking about the first quarter, really um, set the mind at ease, uh, despite a late letting in, but we probably should have shut the door, Um, but yeah, it wasn't too much to dislike about the performance. No, it was pretty comprehensive. And Josh Caddy, again, with uh, four goals. So just another shout-out to Geelong for that one. Thank you very much. That's yes, they uh, would say on the main board, 
after his six goal haul last week, he's back to his average now of you know three or four goals a game. So he's an average player again. <laughs> he's he's just in a purple patch at the moment. Um, and the other player as well that was good for us was he was obviously best on ground with Shane Edwards. Um, he always tends to live for the dream time at the G Games, but his work on um, the game against Essendon was just outstanding. Yeah, um, all class. Um, that that little toe poke towards the second or the the end of the game, I think it was the third, oh, it's a third quarter or that last. Was that was just yeah, exceptional. And you know those those handballs. A lot of players do the quick handball, and some of them are a bit questionable, but. Um, He's just got lightning fast hands and he can actually handball the ball legally as fast as some players can only manage to throw it. So it's pretty impressive. It is impressive. Um, did you happen to catch any of our game news? Uh, no, I didn't catch it, unfortunately. You didn't? No, that's all right. Um, there was one incident in particular. The reason why I asked, there was a, a bit in particular. You may have seen it on a replay or a clip of some kind. Um where Josh Caddy flew up for a, a mark, just a ridiculous attempt. He was never going to mark it, and we actually had numbers at the contest, and we gave away a free kick, or well, he gave away a free kick because of it. And as he was running back defensively, David Asprey literally gave him a clip over the head and um, gave him a bit of a spray. Uh, Wacko, given I'm, I'm assuming you saw that, what did you make of that incident? I thought it was good work by Dave. Um, I get pretty pissed. I know we're all about going 100%, and I think we've discussed this a little bit on previous pods or maybe on the board. You know, uh, our game plan is all about just going at it and giving everything, but it's not really necessary to be going up when you're, you know, behind another bloke um, who's got a chance at marking the ball. Um, Going up like that, if you're not in the best position, is just... A little bit silly, and I think he deserved the spray that he got. I think he did too. I think it was good leadership. I mean, Caddy's a pretty full-on personality, um, but for Dave to sort of yeah, step up and have a crack at him was good to see. How would you feel if you know the poor boys are doing that, noobs? If one of the leaders sort of gave a, a verbal spray to one of the blokes and a literal clip behind the ear if they did something wrong? Well, I think it just shows the high standards that you guys have, particularly given how well you ran that game out and the winning margin in the end. Like, uh, I think it's great to see that you know you you've still got people that are motivated and you know you want to be playing the best footy you can possibly be for every minute of every game. So yeah, I'm all for it. And the other incident of the game, which I'm sure we all saw, was the rants milking the free kick from the uh, marking contest. Uh, Wacko, start with you. Your take on that one? That was very. Uh... Politely put, milking the free kick, not not quite what the um, the match review panel saw, which is fair enough. Um, yeah, I think that Rance should probably stop it, and it's I'm assuming a pretty difficult behaviour to stop once you start doing it. Um, but yeah, he doesn't need to do it, and it's a bad look, and just gives the haters something else to whinge about. Um, in saying that, you know, opposition forwards do it all the time, but. Yeah, Rance just does it a little bit too much and perhaps a little too much butter at times. So it was a $1,000 fine. Do you think that's fair enough, noobs, or do you need to start looking at potential suspensions for repeat offenders? I'd like to see a bit more than... I mean, this is, as far as I know, the first time he's been charged with it, but I think it's not a good look for the game, and particularly from a player of uh, Alex Rance's calibre. Like, it's just unnecessary. Um and he had body position in the contest anyway. Like, he could have easily just pushed back and propped and, 
you know, done okay in the contest. Um, so I, I think it's something that does need to be looked at in terms of a more harsh sentence. Yeah, I suppose you look at how much plays earn on the whole and like $1,000 really isn't going to cause too much of an issue. But I think it's more the reputation part of it that is going to concern Rance and any player who gets caught doing it. But yeah, there was definitely no need for him to do it. Um, Wacko, you might have seen the argument on, on the Richmond board about is it staged or was he just putting a bit of mayo on it? What do you what do you reckon? I mean, I'm, I'm of the thought that staging would be that if there was no contact at all and he just fell for it, I would say that's staging. But I think what he did was just adding a bit of mayo to... I mean, there was contact, but not enough to warrant it. Um, do you sort of sit on one side or the other with that? Yeah, I do, I do agree. Um, it was definitely just adding to an action rather than, you know, faking a trip or something like you might see in world football where a player will kick their back leg against their front leg and go down without any contact. It wasn't in that sort of league, um, which is why I wouldn't want them being any harsher with the penalty um, for that. Um, You know, if he just dived forward, fair enough. Um, But, yeah, it's still not a good look, especially when you get caught out doing it. It's not, but to your point as well, I mean, the the example that's been brought up a little bit on the boards is uh, Ben Brown, who often sort of throws himself forward in marking contests. It, there's really no different to what Rance did, but it, no one ever speaks about it. Yeah, he did a particularly bad one against us. Um, I seem to remember him just flying about three metres from a, a marking contest where there wasn't even a hand in the back. It was, you know, the old raise of the elbow, uh, you know, to put pressure forward. No pushing or shoving motion, just a body-on-body contact, and he flew like Rance did. But, yeah, obviously we've got a rep because of whatever reason and needs to be uh, brought down on us. Fair enough. All right, well, we'll move on to the roast and toast for this week. Uh, Noobs, I'll let you go first. I've given you the roast for us. Uh, what have you got? Uh, I'm... I'm not using this as a platform for an excuse for the loss on the weekend. Um, we were definitely the, the poorer of the two sides, but the umpiring was pretty deplorable. Um, I don't know if you caught our game, um, but just the amount of ticky-touch 50s that were given, we ended oh. up giving away a couple of hundreds at some stage, I think, and it was just it was things that you see every... Yeah, and it was just things you see every week, and for some reason they just picked this game and us to start paying them. Um, it was just a bit bizarre to watch. Um, it definitely contributed, I think, but wasn't the reason why we lost. Um, and I, I don't know whether it has anything to do with the Clarko situation and the way that he does build his relationship with the AFL and Gil McLaughlin in particular. Um, but, it, yeah, just the timing of it seemed real weird as well. I mean, 11 50-metre penalties for a game is unheard of. I think that's a, a world record. It'd be lucky to see that in a week of football, let alone one game. Yeah, and it's this protected area, I still can't get my head around it. Um, when I think it's a lot of it is about intent. If a player is intending to be a pest in the zone, then sure enough, pay the free kick. But a couple of them, they were just jogging past with no interest in the ball carrier whatsoever, or they were following another player. Um, so I think that rule is also something that needs a little bit of um, fine-tuning. We saw a couple of them in our game, didn't we, again this week? I know we copped about four or five of them in our round one game, oh, and then yeah. it seemed like the protected zone wasn't a thing again until this weekend. So... Maybe the umpires have had another one of their special team meetings to bring up the rule of the week, and yeah, that was it, it this week. But again, it didn't seem as prevalent in other games over the weekend as it did in ours. Mm. 
It definitely mm. wasn't. And I actually tweeted the same thing uh, that you just said, Noobs, about the fact that if a player's close by, but they're not impeding the guy with the ball, just play on. Like They're not causing any harm. But if they're trying to get in there to make a tackle or smother the ball, then yeah, obviously fair enough, pay the 50. But yeah, I think they're just going over the top. And it's just another a, another layer on a rule that requires interpretation from four different people. And how are you ever going to get that right? No, exactly. All right, wait, and it's just, an, it's just another rule that's adding to the spectacle of the game just being completely changed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'm not sure it serves a real good purpose, yeah, unless people were deliberately going over the mark. And I, I think Rowan Connolly tweeted about it today, and I replied to him saying the only other rule that I think is worse than this one is the contact below the knees rule. Like, I get why they brought it in because of the Gary Rowan broken leg. No one wants that. But the amount of times that just bullshit free kicks are paid for a bloke wanting the ball more than someone else is just crazy. Yeah. Uh, Wacko, you've got the toast this week. What have you got? Yeah, I don't want to turn this into a Greens convention or anything like that. Um, but I thought, despite, you know, you can say what you want about the tokenism of the round or whatever, um, it was a pretty ballsy decision by the AFL with the entertainment they went with for the Dreamtime game. No, I missed um, this. What will happen there? Oh, it, and unless you sort of know about it, and I, I think the, actually getting the message at the game probably went over a lot of people's heads due to the quality of the sound system and whatnot, but the uh, performer that they got, Briggs, is quite outspoken and has some pretty um, strong and often, more often than not, valid opinions about the treatment of Indigenous Australians. And I thought it was uh, a, a pat on the back for the AFL to get somebody like that who perhaps would be a little bit more controversial in conservative circles rather than, you know, just the standard uh, Indigenous country western and blues cover band or whatever they do. So that's my toast for the AFL. Fair enough, and I, I saw the uh, the pre-game entertainment as far as it goes with the dancing and all that kind of stuff with the, the two teams, and I thought that was probably, this year was the best year I've seen them do the entertainment, having like a, a Richmond tribe and an Essendon tribe and all that kind of stuff. It was really entertaining. Yeah, I think they added that last year for the first time, maybe, and I agree. It definitely adds something and helps, and it's different Um you know, both teams have their own groups and they work on it um, and sort of have this, this is our, this is yours. And last year, they were quite different, the performances. Um, the, uh, the was it a, like a, a war dance or spear thing that they do? Um, yeah, it was quite refreshing last year. And again, this year was good to see as well. It was good. And while we're on the Indigenous round, uh, Noobs, what did you make of all the different jumpers for the different teams? I thought every club did a really good job. Um, in previous years, there's always, in my mind at least, been one or two clangers in terms of it's not a great-looking jumper. Um, but I think teams are really getting them right these days, and it's really good to see um, the varied sources in which people come up with the designs. Like I know that Port Adelaide, for instance, was our 10 Indigenous players all contributed to designing it, whereas other clubs went for members of their community and whatnot. Um, I think it's just another really great way to pay uh, homage to the Indigenous people of the land and the ones involved in footy. Yeah, absolutely. And even the game ball itself. I work at Sharon, so we have said Gavin Manganin do the designing of the game balls. And you're right, it's just good to reach out to those you know Indigenous people in the communities and get their input and their say. And 
Um, I think, yeah, I, I loved all the jumpers this year. I think it was quite far and away the best year we've had in terms of jumper design. So well done to all the teams involved. Mm. The... Uh, I, I, I really love um, Buddy Franklin the last couple of years too. has had an artist paint his boots for the match, mm. um, which is, you know, a bit, bit more real and authentic and raw than the uh, mass-produced jumper. So it adds another le- level again to you know, the authenticity of the the game and the, the the whole meaning behind it. So I think that's awesome as well. Yeah, it's definitely growing. And even at grassroots level, a lot of leagues uh, locally are doing Indigenous rounds as well now, which is really good to see the local support there as well. The other issue we'll talk about quickly that's popped up tonight was Nat Fife getting a, a one-week suspension for the elbow on Levi Greenwood. Uh, what did you make of that one, Noobs? Did you think that was warranted? I think so, but I think they set the precedent with the Tom Mitchell one. Um, for me, there wasn't too much difference between what Mitchell did and what Fife did. Um, and I'm just at a little bit of a loss how you can give Fife a week when you didn't Mitchell. Um, that said, I think he did deserve a week for it. Um, like he jumped, he raised his elbow, um, he was nowhere near the footy, um, and the head is sacrosanct. Like he, you just can't do that these days. Yeah, and I agree with your confusion. And to add a, another layer on top of that, and we only sort of know about this because it happened to a Richmond player, but Jack Graham got rubbed out for a week for elbowing Zorko uh, in the contest. And it was fair enough. He deserved a week. You don't want people elbowing guys in the back of the head. But yeah, it was that following week that Tom Mitchell elbowed Goldstein and got off. And I can't understand how the, Graham and Fife get rubbed out, but Mitchell doesn't. When Mitchell had to actually make more of an effort to elbow him by raising his arm higher because he's about two foot taller than him, it's just got me completely bamboozled. Yeah, yeah, and particularly given that they've changed the structure of the MRP with the fact that it's just that one person now, like that was meant to make it a bit more clear cut. Yeah, I had a, a mate inbox me before saying, you know, we all thought that having one person doing it was going to el- el- eliminate confusion, but it's only made it ten times worse, and I don't understand how. And that's pretty yeah. much about right. Uh, Wacko, what about you? What do you think of the suspension? Um, to be honest, I literally just saw it for the first time as you were speaking then. Um, <laughs> Good research on the fly, I like it. Yep. Um, I, I, I don't know what he... is. He chal- he's challenging it, isn't he? I don't know what he thinks he's going to get uh, away with because he, he it's a blatant, deliberate elbow to the head. It's pretty clear-cut. But then, I mean, in your opinion, what's the difference between that and what Tom Mitchell did? Well, yeah, I I think the impact looks worse as far as this, but this is closer to the ball, whereas the Tom Mitchell one was completely off the ball and a lower impact. Doesn't that make it worse? Well, it does. Yeah, that's the thing. The the look of it, because it's not really in the contest, uh, looks worse. So I think he should have got a week for it anyway, but... But then again, like the Jack Graham thing, he gets a week for a, a bump that slips up or whatever and ends up with a, a forearm to the back of the head. So in that sense, it's it's in line with what we've seen. So it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a bit messy and it just, yeah, a bit hit and miss. I must admit, I, earlier on today, I was pretty uh, confident in the fact that Fife would get off because of the whole being a, a Brownlow contender. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of felt like the theory of Tom Mitchell. It just didn't make sense. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he would go in an appeal. But, I, I mean, not really. no one's really gotten off on an appeal so far, have they? It, it's always been held. 
Yeah, what did um, what did five? Do we know what it was graded? Uh, intention, intentional low impact, high contact. Um, yeah, I don't know what he's going to get changed. You can't change the high. You can't change the low to any lower because there was clear impact. So, and the intention they've called the same thing with Graham. You know, if you elect to bump, um, that's your intentions. So, yep. yeah, really yeah, that just about does it. Oh, no, it's, uh, out of the brown light. Uh, yeah, well, it's pretty much almost a, a nearly a one-horse race. Who else would be up in contention, you reckon, Noobs? So obviously, Tom Mitchell's going to be up there with Fife out of the running. Who else do you reckon is going to be up and about for the brown, though? Uh, I don't mind Andrew Gaffstar's chances. Um, mm-hmm. He's putting together some really good games, um, and he's doing both contested and uncontested work, which I think really would stand out to the umpires and in a winning side as well. Um, yep. So I think he's probably got a pretty good shout. That's the big thing, the winning side. Because, you know, Cripps or someone is going to probably struggle to pull as many votes just due to the fact that Carlton aren't going to get anywhere near as many wins. Yeah, that's right. And Gaff's a, a pretty good shout. Um, there was someone else, I think, who said, was it McRae, I think, from the Bulldogs potentially, was having a good year in terms of like all the the programs and the theories behind how the Brownlow works. Um, a lot of people have him up there in calculations as well. Mm, but again, a struggling side, which often yeah. hurts chances. I mean, and really, you look at history, the only person in a struggling side of recent memory that has been able to do it is Ablett. And that's he's mm. a pretty exceptional player. So um, yeah, it'll take a pretty special effort. But yeah, so it should be interesting, interesting come Brownlow night to see how that all pans out. The other topic I want to talk about, well, it's more just, well, I'll say joke about with uh, you, Noobs, is despite you being a Port Adelaide supporter, we actually have some common ground with you, and that is the, the dislike of Adelaide. How have you viewed their season so far? Um, yeah, it's been pretty good viewing uh, as a Port Adelaide fan, but, um, you know, you, you don't want to take too much joy in their uh, in their current struggles, given how we went on the weekend. Um, a lot of it, I think does come down to the injuries they've cops, but also some of their players are just horribly out of form. Um, Lynch, don't know what he's, I, I don't even know what kind of presence he's been carrying in the last I few even, weeks. I um, even found him since September last year. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's just some players seriously out of form. They've copped some injuries and I don't know where they're going to, I don't know how they come back from this, to be honest, regarding their season. No, they're up against it. And uh, Sturge made a very good comment on our board that uh, Adelaide are the, have got a premiership hangover, but minus the premiership. <laughs> so I think that, that's something. And they'll bounce back. Reading their, read, reading their board today, they seem a bit unhappy with their coaching staff. Um, a lot of calls for a clean out, um, which would be interesting. Funny how that happens really quickly after you drop a game or two, that it's always just straight at the coaches and get them out the door. Yeah. Seems like and, a lot of uh, whinging about the boys' club there, too. Well, that was a lot um, of discussion around grand final time last year, wasn't it, as well, in terms of the, the, the way the group conducted themselves and that whole boys club mentality. Mm. So that's, uh, yeah, I guess a sign that things could actually get worse before they get better, which isn't good for the Crows. No, not good for the Crows, but I'm sure, I'm sure they'll, they'll sort themselves out. All right, on to the, the preview of the Round 12 game versus Port Adelaide. Big game coming up for both clubs. Um, noobs, what, what are your thoughts on the upcoming game, given where both teams are sitting at the moment? Uh, really important game for us, uh, particularly given our loss on the weekend. We're teetering on the edge of the eight. Um, 
And it's a pretty season-defining month regardless. We've got a couple of tough tests with you guys in Melbourne uh, and a couple of away games coming up. Um, yeah, really important win for uh, really important game for us, but I just can't see us getting it done, um, given your game style and uh, the team we'll put out in the park. But, yeah, a, a win would be very, very welcome. <laughs> You've got some, like, obviously very good players, though. Robbie Gray's been in good form. Charlie Dixon, as you said before, has been a little bit quieter, but he could explode at any time. I'm sure that they'll step up and take their game on. Yeah, we. I mean, we've been saying the last couple of couple of years really. Um, we just keep expecting this group to come on and suddenly click, and it it just hasn't happened. I've lost count of the amount of times where we've just said, "Surely they bounce back. Surely they bounce back." And it, yeah, I, it, there's just something going on. I think um, our players just can't seem to click all at the same time. Has losing Ryder been a big factor in this? Oh, it was huge, um, and particularly given our um, apparent lack of faith in our young ruckman on the list because we were playing Dixon in the ruck and Westhoff in the ruck rather than a replacement ruckman. Um, and Ryder is, when he's going, the best ruckman in the AFL, I think. Um, so he was a huge loss, uh, particularly given we didn't try to replace him at all. I've got a solution for your ruck issues. We have this guy on our list. He's pretty tall, uh, Sean Hampson. We won't ask for much, but we're quite <laughs> happy to, to try and make something for you. <laughs> Yeah, I think we'd much rather someone like Scott Lysett, to be honest with you. You get Megan Gay with it, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So there's, a, there's a positive there. Um, <laughs> what about your, your new recruits with Jack Watts, Motlop and Rockcliffe? How have they been travelling for you? Uh, hit, very hit and miss. Um, they have very good moments, um, and a couple of them put together very good games, but they're just struggling to put together it in consecutive weeks and at the same time. Um, Rockcliffe came in under an injury cloud and spent a couple of weeks in the SANFL. Um, bounced back really well last week, but then against Hawks had a run with wall, uh, roll rather, and just got absolutely towed up uh, by Mitchell, I think. Um, and Watts, Watts is you know, what you'd expect. Um, he's good in patches. He does some freak things, but he just struggles to impact for four quarters. Um and Steve Motlop was never recruited to be, you know, the cake. He, was, he is the cream. So he's like he had a really good, a really good moment kicking the winning goal a few weeks ago, um, and that's what we recruited him for. So, um, yeah, they're a bit too quiet so far, but hopefully they put it together. And I suppose it's going to be a bit of a midfield battle. How do you see uh, like Wines, Boke, and Pal Pepper going head to head with Dusty Koch and Jack Graham? Is is that just going to be a, a contested slugfest? Yeah, we're pretty good with the contested ball. We won it against Hawthorne. Um, our biggest problem has just been the work rate. Um, our midfield just isn't working hard enough, um, which really would hurt against you guys given how hard your midfield runs. Um, so that's actually the most concerning thing coming into this game uh, is that midfield battle. Um, because if we if we show the lack of work rate we did against Hawthorne, we're going to get absolutely towed in that area. Um, yeah, and also our, our disposal efficiency is terrible. I don't know what's been going on with our skills, but none of our mids seem to be able to kick anymore either. And Wacko, how, how do you see this game panning out for the Tigers after our form from last week? Um, well, I expect Port to be very much up and about. As you said, it's an important game yeah, in the context of your season, especially given the close loss on the weekend. I'm just having thoughts to myself that uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more worried now just listening um, uh, Adelaide Oval and our recent successes on smaller, narrower grounds and whatnot, and a few tall targets down there. Um, I think it's really going to be important for us 
to match or better Port in the midfield, or we're going to probably see the same thing as we've seen against Adelaide and West Coast, where they are able to move the ball over the top of our congested zone and hit up their tall targets and tear us apart. But is that, is that a good? If, that's a good pun there. Tear us apart with the <laughs> Well played. Well done, Marco. Um, but yeah, I think it, it, the midfield's going to be important for us this week. Uh, whereas a lot of weeks we can get away with not dominating the midfield. Um, I think on this ground and with some of the targets that Port have in their forward line, um, if they can get fast, direct ball movement happening, we'll be in trouble. So it'll be interesting to see what Hinkley does um, well, against us strategy-wise. Well, the good news is we've um, been pretty incompetent at moving the ball quickly this season, so that plays in your favour unless we can miraculously fix that. What about the last time we played you guys and uh, Rance was shut down in an extraordinary move to tag him? Are we going to see something like that again? Uh, yeah, potentially. Um, I think it's a very important way to stop Richmond is to stop your defensive marking um, and also important to take our own marks in our defensive half. Um it might be something you see again, given that we had a bit of a success with it previously. And what about uh, Robbie Gray, Wacko? He's, you know, he's in a bit of form. He knows where the goals are, and he's just extremely damaging. Are we going to send someone like Grimes to him? I think he's had a bit of success in the past. Yeah, um, Grimes is going to be very important. And I guess now with Broad as well, we've got a couple of options who are a little quicker um, or taller. You know, we could even send Rance to him, but... Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. It's it's a good battle for him and uh, Josh Caddy to sort of fight for that spot in the All-Australian team. They're both probably vying for a similar position. And they both sure. kicked a few goals lately, so... Yeah, well, they're both up there in the Coleman too, which is fascinating. Uh, what about any potential changes you guys might have, Noobs? Is there anyone waiting to come in or any injuries or anything like that? Uh, we're having a bit of a problem with our... Um... Our Magoos aren't going too well either, and there aren't any particular standout performers that are really knocking down the door outside of, say, uh, Jack Trengo has been playing pretty well, and he was emergency on the weekend. Um, I would like us, I would like to see us uh, drop either, say, a Cluri or a Homsch and bring someone in like Jasper Pittard. Just, we don't need the height against your forward line, um, and we were just so stagnant in getting the ball out that someone like Pittard, that admittedly runs like a bit of a headless chook at times, but he at least helps with the line breaking. He's quick. Um, yeah, yeah, um, and he just gives us something different with the angles he runs at and the decisions he makes. Um, also, really would like to see Todd Marshall back in the team just to give Dixon a bit of a chop out and to try and stretch your um, your defenders a little bit. Um, but he has been under an injury cloud and his dad died recently, so he's been out of the team for about a month. Um, so I'm not entirely sure where his injury's at, but I wouldn't mind seeing him come in either. Um, but given Hinkley tends to back in, he's 22 and... Our sample team only played yesterday, so it's a five-day turnaround for those who played. I can't see us actually making too many changes. Yeah, we're in the same boat with the five-day turnaround. But um, I think stretching our defence is a good tactic. I think that's why Adelaide and West Coast had some success against us earlier on in the year. Uh, we just, With a quick ball movement, we weren't able to sort of fold off and cover for each other. So if there was the ability for you to do that, then... I think that wouldn't be a bad option for you. Uh, Michael, yeah, a... and I'm also not sorry. Just I'm also not against the idea of keeping in our extra tall defenders because I think a key to beating Richmond is taking marks in your forward half because as soon as the ball hits the ground, you guys are off and running. So I think yeah. West Coast in particular, McGovern taking marks, I think it makes a big difference to beating you guys. 
It does, and we'll, we'll kind of... It was our own fault, really, because we just kept launching it in, and he was that was suiting him to a T. So I think if we started to lower our eyes a bit more, and with the inclusion of Keller Moore, who's not tall, tall, but he's a good second forward, hopefully that'll help with that part of it. Uh, and Wacko, what about for us? We obviously had our twos play yesterday. Rioli's getting closer to a call-up. Miles had another 40 disposals and kicked three goals. Um, Stengel had another good game. Are any of these guys going to crack into the side anytime soon? I'd be very surprised if Rioli played, given that it's interstate and that he hasn't exactly knocked the door down so far. Um, I'd be quite happy seeing him play another week in the twos. Um, Miles, again, was dominant. And I think I actually posted on the autopsy thread, oh, if we're going to bring Miles in, I wouldn't mind um, taking out someone like Higgins, maybe, who's been playing a bit of midfield anyway, um, and then letting Jack Graham sort of operate as a forward mid uh, running around because he's shown that he's got a good goal sense and can be quite damaging from around the arc. Um, yeah, and Miles, I think, would definitely help us in the middle, especially against Port. And if you said you're not going to be moving the ball too quick or haven't been recently, Miles shouldn't have any problem keeping up with the uh, two-way running. Yeah, that's been his big knock as a speed. But from a contested ball um, point of view, he's an absolute beast in that area. And it's somewhere we've been struggling, to be honest. So Yeah, without I, I pressure, think... we're severely lacking in that yeah. department. Well, if you're going to bring him in, it'd be worth looking at. It'd be worth looking at maybe running him head-to-heads with someone, say, like Ollie Wines, who isn't particularly cricket himself, and just seeing how that matchup goes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it could be not a bad idea at all. Especially if they're, if they're both not quick, that'd uh, help us out because that seems to be the biggest concern. But when a bloke's putting up, you know, 35 to 40 possessions almost weekly, it's hard to ignore him. Uh, if any other team, or most other teams in the comp, he'd probably get a gig. I just don't know what he has to do to get into the side. But. He's obviously a big party boy and has a history of cocaine trafficking or something because nobody would touch him with a 10-foot pole during trade week last year, would they? Yeah, no, they, no one wanted to go near him. But And he's no. a proven AFL performer and he's racking up 30 to 40 in the VFL every week. Something's fishy. Yeah, it's an interesting one. But yeah, it's a few selection headaches for, for the club, but that's uh, good for us. All right, before we finish up, we'll get some predictions from you both. Uh, Wacko, I'll start with you. What's your prediction for the game? Well, I think well, my last prediction... That doesn't fit me with confidence, the sigh. <laughs> ...was, I think, what, what did I... I it would have been about 260 points, my last prediction. Yeah, um, who, who was that against? Was that the West Coast game? Was that the last one I did? Possibly. I think it was. That's not, that's not a good sign either, then. Jeez. So, um, that's, yeah, I'm not filled with confidence after that prediction. So, I'm going to say we're going to go down by 98 points. Oh, go wow, okay. Uh, Noobs, what about yourself? What's the prediction? Uh, I reckon you guys will do it. Do us by a few goals. Um, we'll be in the game, uh, and then I think you guys will run over the top of us in the last quarter. Um, Shane Edwards best on ground in a three-goal win for you guys. Yeah, I feel like if it's close towards the end, will be a chance. But if we let you off the hook in the first half and you get off to a good start, I, I think we'll find it hard to come back, especially with the the home crowd at home ground advantage. But um, I'm hoping we'll win by somewhere between two or three goals, but uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good contest. So just a reminder, the game is on this Friday night at Adelaide Oval, and we're live on Foxtel and Channel 7 from 7.30pm. 
Wacko, Jacko, Noobzor, thank you so much for coming on, guys. Really appreciate it. Jesus, thanks for having thank me. You. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also, keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go, Tigers.